using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to Hefty Ultra Strong Trash Bags, always at an ultra low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. There are best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head to head. So you'll be happy, happy, happy. Hefty Ultra Strong with Arm & Hammer Odor Control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Change Agent's Dilemma for Tuesday, December 16th, 2014. I'm your host, Heather Stagel, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, as I do once a month on Blog Talk Radio. This show is one of the many ways I help equip individuals and teams to influence change at Enclaria. The Change Agent's Dilemma is how to influence change without authority, and my goal with the show is to share ideas and other resources to help you do just that. Today, my guest is Deborah McLaughlin, who will tell us how to ignite your ch- communication style to gain influence and impact. Deborah is CEO of the Renegade Leader Coaching and Consulting Group and is author of The Renegade Leader and the newly released Amazon bestseller, Running in High Heels, How to Lead with Influence, Impact, and Ingenuity, which reveals the key strategies for women leaders to get from where they are to where they want to be. Known for her keen ability to crack the code on human dynamics, Deborah empowers leaders to get the results they desire by inoculating organizations against distrust, fear, lack of accountability, and disorganization. Instead, she builds collaborative cultures of engaged, energized, and spirited employees led by confident, innovative leaders. Deborah's penetrating conversations are found in the media, such as Leadership Excellence Magazine, Yahoo Finance, CBS Money Watch, Boston Herald, Sirius Radio, and she is a frequent guest panelist on international telesummits. She has received multiple awards for business and executive coaching and is the recipient of the 2013 Woman of the Year Award by the National Association for Professional Women. Deborah, welcome to the show. Thank you, Heather. I've heard such great things about your show. I was really looking forward to being on with you today. Great. Well, thank you. Well, let's dig in with kind of a deep question. What does it mean to be influential? Oh, great question. I think sometimes when people hear the word influential, some people think that it's being manipulative or, you know, pushy or, you know, trying to stand your ground and not giving in to others. And, but I really see being influential just means that you're moving something forward, whether it's a, a goal, a cause that you care about, you know, an idea. It's really being the catalyst for an outcome. And, And I know your whole program is all about change. And anyone that's really trying to influence change is, you know, moving something forward. And and so simply put, that's what it means to be influential. Yeah, I've I've heard recently some people who have been on that edge of, am I I manipulating or am I being influential? And so that's, that's a tricky combination. So I like the just... Keep it simple. If we're moving something forward, you're influential. So we're here to talk about communication styles. So why and how is communication a key component of influence? Well, if you think about it, you know, we're communicating 24 hours a day. <laughs> you know, whether you're saying something or, or not doesn't matter. You're still communicating through your body language, um, through your posture, you know, a slumped posture could almost communicate, um, 
you know, that you're, you don't have buy-in about something, you're not confident about something. So we're constantly perceiving how other people are communicating even without them saying anything. But the truth is, and, you know, and I know you've worked in leadership for quite some time too, is that the bottom line of most confrontations, most disagreements, most, you know, lack of accountability, you know, is about communication. It really is. Oftentimes I'll say it's the bridge that will get you from where you are to where you want to be. If something's not going right, there's probably something happening in regards to a breakdown in communication. Yeah, there's a conversation you need to have with somebody. Yes, right. And when you think about it, it's it's um, like if, you know, people are not, you know, doing what you want them to do or they're not being accountable, you know, do they understand what they're supposed to be doing? You know, do they understand, you know, how it's connected to a deeper value? You know, are, are they really motivated to do it? And all of that falls back on, you know, how it was communicated to them. And, right. and you know, our world has, has changed that most employees don't show up and just do the job because they're told to do it. Like in, you know, I call I call it the 1950s, but it actually it's more recent than that. You know, the right. Jack Welch GE days. You know, people are curious as to why are you telling me this? You know, how does it impact my my role? Why should I do this? How is it tied to the big picture? There's a lot of questions. So if there's a question that managers or people in that change agent role should be asking themselves to see if they're communicating effectively, what would that be? I think there's almost two answers to that. Um, one is, you know, looking at yourself inwardly is, you know, are you communicating effectively also means, you know, are you being frustrated you know, you know, as to what the results are that other people are producing. You know, are you feeling like you're not being heard? Do you find that you have to, you know, raise your voice in order to get somebody motivated? You know, are you walking away from a conversation kind of cursing under your breath that it didn't work the way that you wanted to? And, or, you know, even if some of my leaders have told me, are you crying in the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> things that didn't quite work out. And that that's kind of like the internal piece of, you know, how are you doing with your, you know, you might be thinking, well, it's all those other people, but maybe it's the communication. And then externally, you know, when you're looking out to the people that you're working with on your team, you know, are, are people not doing what they're asked to do? And are you asking yourself, you know, why might that be? Um, you know, do they really understand what's been asked of them? Do they understand its purpose? Do they even know, you know, how to do what you've asked them? Lots of times I work with teams and they have some big initiative, but they've never really been told how to do it. And so there's a big gap in there. So those are, those are the questions to be asking yourself to diagnose, you know, can I work on improving my communication for better results? Yeah, so there's it seems like there's an element of resistance in there that you're when you feel like people are resisting change to look yes. internally to see what you might be doing and to look externally to see well what might be happening for those people the people who seem right. to be resisting change. Yes, and one and as we know that it's almost expected that with any change that there is going to be resistance. It's just kind of the natural <laughs> Rea reaction to, any, to anything. So if you, 
really kind of go that extra step in, in trying to understand the person that you're trying to influence, you know, how do they need to hear something? You know, like to give you an example, if if you're a really coach-centered person, meaning that you're really a people-oriented person, you're always caring about the impact on people, and you're talking to a a numbers person, you know, a chief financial officer about a project, you can't just go into that person and just talk to them about the the impact on people of the project because they're going to care about that, but probably not as much as they're going to care about the bottom line. So if you go in and you're speaking to them in the language that they want to hear that, you know, raises their eyebrows when you're talking about numbers because they're a financial person, then you can also segue the conversation into the impact of the people or how the people will get the project done or even what resources the people need funding in order to be able to do the project successfully. And I think that, Heather, really is the biggest gap that people don't take the time necessarily to think about, you know, the other person that you're dialoguing with. What way do they need to have the conversation go? How do they need to hear it in a language you know, that they will understand. Does that make sense? Definitely. And and recognizing for yourself that you have a point of view because you're a part of that project, but other people in the organization, they haven't heard, they haven't been in part of the process, so they don't have the same perspective that you have. So just yes, absolutely. Acknowledging that. <laughs> yes, yes. I, ju- I just did a, um, I, an executive retreat for a, for a CEO team and his leaders and, and we were talking about the different, you know, change leadership, you know, personalities. And, and, of course, the CEO came out very high of being a visionary. And he was surprised that members of his executive team, even though they're high in their own capacities, that he really, you know, his visionary was way off the charts. And really it was for the first time that he understood that just because he gets some grand idea in the shower in the morning, <laughs> you know, and lands <laughs> it on the desk of his executive team, you know, because they haven't understood it, they haven't processed it in the way that they understand things, they don't have the level of vision that he has, they can't even see it as a possibility. And yeah. so, his, his, you know, he sees it all done. So getting getting all frustrated that people are not moving forward with the ball you just gave to them, you have to understand that they don't even understand what the play is all about. Right. <laughs> just yet. Well, they don't they don't really see it as their as theirs. If you're if it's right. handed to them either. So. Yes, exactly, and that's and that's that whole piece about what you know what does this person in front of me care the most about. And how can I dialogue about, you know, what we need to speak about in a way that is going to be speak their language so they can hear it? Great. So uh, before the show, when we have talked, you know, coming up to the show, you had said that you have an easy-to-remember Ignite formula for communication. Can you share with us what that is? Oh yes, I think I think over the years I have developed a couple of these little acronym things to help people remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and I didn't think the the Ignite one was that substantial until one day one of the frontline leaders that I work with told me that she was carrying it around on a little index card. It was all worn and everything else in her pocketbook. <laughs> that she brought it wow. out for crucial conversations. But yes, to put it simply, so Ignite is just a way of of framing out a conversation, and you can use it for a number of of communications. You can use it when you're trying to give a feedback conversation, when you're trying to 
to motivate somebody to take action on something. And so to lay it out for you, it, it really it is the acronym IGNITE, I-G-N-I-T-E. So the I stands for illuminate, which is, you know, really putting the spotlight on whatever whatever it is that you really want to be talking about. Um, you know, really, you know, shining the light on it, being very clear that this is the topic of our discussion. And then the G is for generating the, the vision. You know, what and I'll give you an example of how I can you can utilize this quite easily at the end. So the the G for generating the vision is, you know, how do you want that you know, project to go, or how do you want that? What do you want that report to look like, or you know, what you know, what is this um, outgo- ideal outcome? What's it going to be? Where are we heading to? What your destination is, and the N is for navigate. You know, what are the steps that you need to take to get there? What's the milestones along the way? And the I is for implement or integrate. You know, the actual doing of the actions. And the T is translate for results. You know, you know, was this a successful thing for us? You know, well, you know, what happened along the way? You know, what was the outcome? And then the E is the evidence of just looking at, you know, what worked, what didn't work, um, and you know, celebrating that we're on track. So to give you like a simple example, if you think that would be helpful, definitely yes. Yeah, so for a simple example, say that you work on a production floor and, you know, one of the team members doesn't wear their safety shoes to work for some reason. So the eye illuminating is, you know, talking about the safety shoes and at that, you know, the you know, safety shoes need to be worn on the floor. And the the, you know, G is the 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 generate the vision, you know, cuz we want you and other people to be safe. So the asking them where it happened with the safety shoes, and the person might say, "Well, I left them in my girlfriend's car," and so the you know the shift manager or what have you might say something like, "Well, you're on shift tomorrow. Are you going to be able to have them?" So navigating, yes, I will. The, that gaining that commitment, yes, I'll get my shoes tonight and I'll have them for tomorrow. And then the I is just noticing, yes, that the person has you know the shoes <laughs> the ne- the next day. And then translating the results is, you know, thank, thank you for wearing your safety shoes today, Tom. You know, again, you know, really it's because I want you and, you know, the other people on the floor to be safe. And, you know, and the, the E for evidence would also just be looking at, you know, is that person maintaining that? Or, again, it could just be simply the celebration and, and recognition that somebody did what they, you know, had said that they committed to. So the Ignite you know, process is just a very simple way of having a conversation. But I think the most important piece of it, Heather, if you might have noticed this, is that when you start out with the eye illuminating, you're always talking about what's in the middle. I'm not talking, you know, Tom, you did not wear your shoes. Instead, I'm talking about safety shoes. <laughs> safety shoes need to be worn on the floor. And, you know, and I know that you have you have a family too, and this really works effectively with your family to ask, you know, is it possible for the trash to go out on Friday night, you know, <laughs> and somebody will respond because you're not saying who's taking out the trash. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, Very interesting. So that's, so that's illuminate, a simple way of organizing. Right. So, so it was interesting you, you mentioned the person who had it in a card that she carried around with her to, to remember. So you had illuminate, 
and then generating yes. the vision, mm-hmm. navigate, integrate, which is the doing part, and then translate for results, and then the evidence. So wh- where do people get hung up in this Ignite process, I guess you could call it a process. Well, there's, well, there's a couple of places that they do get hung up in. And, you know, one is raising the defensiveness in your communication by talking about, you know, you and I <laughs> in, in our conversation instead of the safety shoes or instead of the report or the project or whatever it is that's in the middle because that immediately raises defensiveness. It doesn't take a whole lot, but even just using the person's first name in a way that you know is going to follow with some criticism <laughs> already raises defensiveness versus talking you know, about the item that's in the middle. And then what I find is, you know, where teams especially will, you know, get the idea of, you know, where we need to go, you know, what it's going to look like at the end, plan out the milestones, take the action to get there, is that oftentimes then they're just back on the next thing again versus taking the time to really translate what what the results were and to even celebrate, um, and not just the finish line, but to also celebrate the milestones along the way and that's oftentimes where we don't necessarily always give feedback from to people about that they've gotten through the you know all the way through implementing the first steps you know so there's very little celebration that takes place cuz we're all busy in organizations and we're on to the next thing versus even yeah. reviewing how we got here and what worked what didn't work what could we do better the next time so people might do the illuminate and the generating the vision part, but they kind of stop there and assume the other person's going to take it from there. Yes, right. Or they don't really happen. do like the like, like translate the results or look for you know the evidence of what worked, what didn't work. How can we we be successful next time? We'd, it's almost like not doing a debriefing, you know, of it at the end. Yeah. So what is it that following this, going through this ignite? things ignite steps that helps communicate and be influential in that way? Well, it helps you to be influential in a couple of different ways. Is one that in order to be influential, because we don't do our work by ourselves typically, is that you have to motivate and influence others to be engaged, you know, in the work together. So one thing that the Illuminate or the um, Ignite does is that by laying it out in this in this process, it helps to enroll the other person in understanding, you know, why we're doing the work that you're proposing for me to do, you know, why it's important, how we're going to get there, how will we know when we're both successful, and it, you know, so that each person can kind of gauge, you know, their bar of success. And what it really works great in is in feedback conversations, whether something went well or whether something was slightly off course. So so for instance, you know, if you were to give me a re- I had a report that was due to me on Wednesday at two o'clock and I didn't get it, then I might say to you, you know, Heather, that, you know, payroll report, you know, illuminating what I'm talking about, you know, what was due to me on Wednesday at two because I really needed that data to be able to crunch my numbers to be prepared for my meeting that I had on Friday. That was my vision to get that done. And, 
you know, when it didn't happen, then I wasn't really prepared, you know, for my meeting. And that makes both of us, you know, and our department look bad. And as a result, we didn't get the resources that we were going to ask for because I didn't have the numbers to ask for them. And so how can we work better when we're looking at a deadline, you know, for you to give me some feedback as to whether it's going to fit in your schedule or not, or, you know, certainly give me a heads up, you know, if it doesn't seem like it's going to be a, you know, a match for the deadline so I can figure out what to do. So that so that type of conversation just doesn't, it's like you're both in, in it together, you're both figuring out a problem, it doesn't raise the defensiveness, and it allows you to influence, you know, more of a positive result for the next time. So I know that you provide tips and tools for leaders. So where else can people get resources on this topic? Um, well, there's a couple of different areas. And, you know, on the uh, the website, therenegadeleader.com, under the book area, there's resources for both of my books, The Renegade Leader and Running in High Heels. And uh, The Renegade Leader is really about culture and being able to influence results within your culture. And that also talks about engaging and inspiring people to do the work that they need to do. And that has all sorts of downloads about how to engage and motivate the people around you and how to build strong teams. And and running in high heels, I had the I had the great joy of interviewing women across the <laughs> across the country, including a number of women CEOs. And believe me, they have as many struggles in getting you know, work done through other people as a frontline manager does. <laughs> and so the resources there are, you know, similar about, you know, engaging other people, high-performing teams, and, and, you know, a little bit about culture. But it's also um, assessing your communication skills. You know, are you communicating powerfully? There's a self-assessment there. Um, also, you know, how to profile other people so that you're speaking in their common language. So those are just, you know, a number of self-assessment tools that um, you can use to be able to influence, you know, change and empower the people around you and gain their buy-in so you can all go forward and be as influential as you can even when you don't have the authority to do so. Right. So uh, you just mentioned a tool about making sure that you're speaking each other's language. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious. I, I, I tapped into that. I was. I'm curious about what that looks like. How do you? How can you tell that you're speaking each other's languages? Well, there's a couple of different ways. I mean, one of the one of and it's there's like seven different profiling um, tools of the of you know to decide how the other person takes in information. And when you think about it, even the way that we speak gives us clues as to what's important to us. Like I might say, um, you know, I'm not really seeing that, Heather, when you're talking to me about something. And that really shows that like I'm, you know, when you think about vision, it almost is like a visual type of thing. And so that person might really need to have the picture painted for them in clear detail for them to understand. Whereas somebody that says something like, um, you know, I'm not feeling feeling that, or I just, you know, I don't know if that's right for me. I don't feel that in my gut. That's somebody that's more intuition-driven. And so they need to feel, you know, like literally feel, feel like something is the right thing. And so it's understanding 
you know, what drives that person to, you know, what is, what is it going to take for them to get that sense of this is the right thing so that you're speaking their language. So, and then there are people who are very action-oriented people. They want to know, you know, the tasks that need to be done. And so when you're talking to them, you can't just be in the vision mode of laying out the grand scheme of something because all they care about is the tactics of what needs to happen first and what needs to happen second and then third. And and if you're not laying it out in that way, they might think you're, you know, a dreamer. You know, you have a great vision, but it's not really going anywhere and and you're not going to get their buy-in. So, I mean, that's, that's and, and we we all tend to fit into our own category, but the key is to be able to, flux to what you understand the other person's, you know, category to be so that we kind of bridge that language. And and I know um, some time ago you had you know, Barb Trotline on who wrote Change Intelligence, and I really like her methodology, and I use it myself with organizations, about talking about head, heart, and hands, which is making sure that those pieces are part of your conversations, which, you know, the head is getting people to buy into the into the vision by laying out what that vision looks like. And the the heart is engaging them by having them understand why the work is important, what the impact of the work is. And then the hands are giving them the, the tools and the resources and the action items to make the work happen. Yeah, and the, in case anyone is wondering and want to look into that episode further, I think it was the one from June. So look, you know, maybe five or six episodes prior to this one <laughs> for the one with Barb Troutline. <laughs> so, um, and congratulations. Uh, you just released a book called Running in High Heels last week, right? Yes, well, it actually came out on the 13th. It's like, the, you know, the publisher releases it. You don't even know till somebody, my assistant told me it was up on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but, but it, and it was up on Amazon, and now it's an Amazon bestseller. So congratulations. Yes. Yes, yes, that was really exciting to um to to witness and really exciting to start to hear the feedback about that and and you know for me Heather it was interesting because you know the, when I wrote the Renegade Leader it has you know a lot of how to information in it and then when I wrote Running in High Heels and interviewing the woman and I also felt like there was a, there was a part that I needed to be a little bit more vulnerable myself in writing that book you know, I, I used to be in um, corporate sales. I started out as an account manager. And, and then when I became a national account manager, you know, I thought I was a good performer. So the people, the engineers and the people I needed to to be in partnership with to make my projects happen, that they would all perform as well as I did. <laughs> and that was a surprise and that wasn't a truth. <laughs> so I had to learn myself that, you know, about leadership, and, you know, and I was at the same level as, as many of our listeners, you know, I didn't have the influence of the authority over these people, yet we had to all row together to be able to make something happen. So in, in the book, I, you know, talk about my imperfections along the way, and also my learning about that, about how to learn to be a leader, even when you're not a leader in title. Yeah. So what are some of the things that people would read about when they read Running in High Heels? Running in High Heels covers um, a couple of different areas. It, it, 
It basically has the word lead, L-E-A-D, through in the middle of its core chapters. And the L is for really how to leverage your leadership, no matter what level you're at. You know, how to really stand out in your career, be seen, heard, and noticed. And the E is how to engage the people around you, how to engage and motivate them to roll with you to do the work that needs to be done. And the A is about how to activate a culture of positivity, productivity, um, and profitability for businesses. And the D is how to distinguish yourself, you know, how to really, you know, stand out from the crowd so that you get that next promotion, so you get to have the role and responsibilities that that you want. So, And if you want to step into leadership, you know, how to make sure that you raise your hands and, and um and that's both hands in the air because you have to both be, have to really be seen to step up right. further, and you know to get noticed. But really, the bottom line is, you know, how taking the responsibility to make sure that you're seen, heard, and noticed, you know, in your work and for all you do, and to really stand in your own power and your value, and to embrace your own imperfections along the way. I call them bunions in the book because <laughs> you know, the, the whole shoe metaphor, you have to embrace your bunions. Yeah. <laughs> great. Well, that sounds like a great book. So, uh, well, so it was a lot of fun. <laughs> a lot of fun in, in interviewing the woman. I work, I work with a lot of men, and it was just you know, very interesting that the women were very interested with what I was wearing to the interview. <laughs> I don't think men cared. <laughs> Well, Deborah, thanks so much for being here and sharing your Ignite well, thank you Formula for, having for Communication. Me on. And uh, coming up next month on Tuesday, January 20th, can you believe it's going to be January in 2015? It's crazy. Um, but <laughs> next month, Tuesday, January 20th, People Results CEO Patty Johnson shares how to make waves at work. So thank you so much for listening to The Change Agent's Dilemma. If you'd like to find more resources to help you influence change in your organization, including individual coaching, team workshops, and upcoming training events, please visit Inclaria.com. While you're there, sign up for my monthly newsletter and receive 12 free templates for the Change Management Toolkit, The Irresistible Change Guide. Until next time, take care. Best wishes for your change initiative, and have a fantastic new year. Take care. Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra-strong trash bags. Always at an ultra-low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. There are best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head-to-head. So you'll be... Happy, happy, happy. Hefty, ultra-strong with Arm & Hammer Odor Control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra-strong trash bags. Always at an ultra-low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. There are best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head-to-head. So you'll be... Happy, happy, happy. Hefty, ultra-strong with Arm & Hammer Odor Control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Hey!